Welcome, sports fans, to Sports Inside and Out. This is your host, C.B. Baker. We got another good show for you today. Uh, it is basketball time. We got the NBA update today with Wally Jones. But before we get into that, let's get a shout-out to our sponsors, the On Forces Network. While we were asleep, you were awake, making sure our way of life stays the same. Also, Seabreeze the leader of transitional housing, and more. My main man, Flash G, is in the house. And let's not forget, Dan and Nissan Man in Hampton Roads out of Chesapeake. Look, if you need a car, you need a ride, go down there and see him. He will hook you up, swappingkeys.com. That is swappingkeys.com. Now, without further ado, I'd like to bring to the audience the wonder man himself, the guy to throw passes that – no look passes before they was even invented. Okay. Got all the got all the connections in the NBA and has worked so hard um making sure that his his um purpose in life, which is really helping out young people and guiding people through the game of basketball, is joining the show today. Welcome to the show, Wally Jones. Hey, good morning, C B and uh you're right, bro. One of the mission statements for Sports Inside and Out and also Superstars Institute is to help our youth, our most important natural resource. Uh, one of the things I want to talk about that that's important is our legends giving back. Uh, the retired players associates and chapters do so many wonderful things in the community. And as a voice of the retired players, we're very excited about the upcoming All-Star in New Orleans. But we'll talk about that later, and we'll talk a little bit about the NBA. And I'm, I'm, I'm really excited. I've been watching, especially here since I'm in Miami, uh, the Miami Heat and looking at the Philadelphia Young man, Philadelphia born and Syracuse grad, uh, Dion Waiters has been coming through. They won five in a row, and Dion has actually averaged uh, close to 28 points, 33 one night to beat the Golden State Warriors with the last second shot, and last night they beat the Nets. Uh, he had about 28 last night, and the young man is playing some great basketball, getting his identity. But he's a young man that came out of our program in Philadelphia. That's why I really talk about him, because uh, we helped raise that young man and to see how he's being successful, even with his stints in Cleveland Cavaliers, wasn't successful, and neither with the Thunder. He feels that he's at home. So I just wanted to mention him, because, again, we like to talk about some of our young men that we've mentored and uh, had success with. But up again, I have some analytics, and uh, I know we're going to talk about uh, some trades, but I like to talk about some analytics because people are not aware of the importance of what's happening in the game in reference to turnover ratio. We have, uh, when you talk about ball players that are competing at that level, it's important for those ball players to make sure they don't turn the ball over. But we got guys like uh, we got guys like Harden, Westbrook, um, ball players like LeBron. Sometimes they're averaging more because they have control of the ball, averaging about five turnovers a game and turnover ratio in, in reference to that. There's some of the ball players that are really having that problem. But I wanted to also mention this assist. Harden is averaging. He's leading in assists at uh, 11, Westbrook 10. And Wall, oh my goodness, I'm so happy to see what the Washington Wizards are doing. That's one of my former teams. Of course, when I played, there was a ball, but he's averaging 10. Chris Paul, who's injured, uh, uh, averaging nine. And, of course, 
LeBron James averaging eight. Teague from Indiana, eight. I won't go on down any further, but I just want to mention the fact, the importance of the assists in the game. Because a lot of these ballplayers are putting up some great numbers. And I think you mentioned the fact that uh, someone broke a record recently. Uh, you're talking about the triple doubles? Yes. Yeah, so Russell Westbrook. Yeah, Russell Westbrook has passed uh, Larry Bird with this 60th, 60 triple double that he's had for his career. And it's, that's a, a good company to be with when you're you know getting compared to Larry Bird on the stat sheet. Yeah, and you know, I actually played with a, one of the all-time greats, and uh, they, they, they forget all about what Oscar Robinson did, and I think that's almost impossible to do nowadays. I shouldn't use the word impossible, but not probable. The fact that he averaged a triple-double for a whole year was something amazing. I had a chance to play with him with uh, the Milwaukee Bucks in 70, 71, 72 with Kareem, Bobby Dandridge, and guys like Lucius Allen, John McLaughlin. But when you look at Ball players like that and what uh, Westbrook is doing, uh, it, it's amazing. Uh, he's actually leading in scoring also at 30 points. Uh, you have Boston Thomas. Oh, this, this young man just, I love to see this guy play. Isaiah Thomas from Boston, the leading scorer in the fourth quarter. He's averaging 28. Uh, New Orleans, uh, and I'm so sorry to hear that Anthony Davis was injured last night in the game, only played a few minutes. He had a thigh injury, and I just hope that young man uh, gets an opportunity. We talked about on our last show about him being buried down there, being one of the top players in the NBA. They need some supporting cast for him, CB. That's all. He's averaging 28, Harden 28, Cousins. uh, Just saw Cousins the other night. B. Cleveland. Uh, he's a tremendous basketball player. Just has an, they say, an attitude problems. I'm not aware exactly. He seems to be doing well now with the team, and his interviews are become more professional. But he's averaging 28. DeRozan, 27. Lillard, 26. I won't keep on going down the line. I just wanted to touch on these leading scores and where their teams are, because sometimes uh, you, you you sort of apply the scoring with what your team is doing and whether you're having success. Cause I know we talked earlier about Camelo Anthony. Yes. I had 30 last night. They lost. Uh, you made some comments about a trade. What, what was that you were talking about? Yeah, I, was, I was saying uh, Wally that, you know, the, the rumor mill is starting to kick up, you know, the, the situation there for Carmelo Anthony and with the New York Knicks in it, you know, the Knicks are just not playing good. So when you're not playing good, things start happening. So there's been rumors around that um, that Kevin Love of the Cleveland Cavaliers could be traded for Carmelo Anthony in the New York Knicks. Now, of course, everybody's saying that this this trade has is, has no chance of um, coming to fruition. But I would like to ask you, Wally, is that a good fit or is that really just a bad idea even to think about a trade like that? I do, because I think the chemistry with Kevin Love and what he brings also, not only scoring, but rebounding uh, when you see Carmelo. Does, he does get his seven or eight rebounds, but the chemistry is very important about a team's dynamics. And you bring a score like Carmelo to the Cleveland Cavaliers, uh, I, I, I think that would hold that ball up because LeBron has the ball a lot, Kyrie Irving, and um, Carmelo Anthony needs the ball to play. Now, I saw the game last night when you talk about Kevin Durant going to a team.
scorers and ball players, but their style of play that not one guy holds the ball. And when you have scores like that, Clay Thompson, you have Durant, you have Kerry, uh, and another guy, uh, Draymond Green, that ball is moving. And the leading assist guy is Draymond Green. But when I saw the game last night against Charlotte Hornets, uh, everybody touched that ball, and everybody had a chance to really uh, uh, the chemistry, uh, really bring the the, the idea of team play into into forefront because uh, Kevin Durant, my goodness, uh, 33 last night. Uh, Kevin uh, Carey had about 25 and 19 for Clay. They're doing the consistency where the ball is moving. Now, I, that may be something that may be a problem with Cleveland, but this time of the year, I don't think they should do it. That That's just my personal opinion. I don't think they, they should make that trade. Yeah, yeah I, I agree. As bad as, you know, um, LeBron James and and Carmelo Anthony want to play together, you know, I think that may be something that could come down the line maybe the last two years of their career. But right now, I wouldn't mess with anything that Cleveland's got going on. I know the rumors are having that LeBron is upset over the way the Cavs are spending money. But you know, have we talked about a couple weeks ago you know, with the NBA and, you know, creating these super teams, it's like, what, how much do you need? You know, it's like, um, you know, Michael Jordan and the, the other players in the older era or the beginning of the modern era didn't need, you know, a whole bunch of players on their team, a quote unquote, good marquee players in order to win championships and contend for championships. Now, aside from the fact, which I will say is a little asterisk there, because the 72-win Bulls team did have Dennis Rodman, they had Scottie Pippen, you know, they had Horace Grant. So they had a whole slew of people on that team. But the other championships that Michael Jordan was able to win, he didn't have that. You know, same with uh, Magic Johnson. It was really uh, him and two other players, and the rest of the people was quote-unquote role players. So... That's right. I don't understand. I don't understand where LeBron's coming from for this, and it may be just something that's just out there in the media sphere. In the you know the media's playing up. Um, I don't. I just don't understand that you won the championship last year. Yes, Golden State is better this year than they were last year, but I do feel like you know you you played them in the um, Christmas game. And you won. Now, granted, you lost when you went out there on the road, but as me and you taught Wally, like you said, they look tired. They haven't had time to practice. They haven't had time to rest. So you go up against the Golden State Warriors team that's at home, of course you may lose that game. So I think I think people are pushing the panic button too fast on this Cavalier situation. And if LeBron does feel that way, he may be pu- pushing that panic button or seeing something that we don't see. Yeah, well, you know, he did mention that they need another backup point guard. I, I really like the young man from Oakland University, little guard. He's only about 5'10 or something like that, Felton, but an excellent player. But, you know, they don't realize they've lost some good players on that team. And um, when you have new faces, it's, again, the chemistry. J.R. Smith hasn't been there. He's been injured. Uh, the fact that one of the things that I see important when you say role players, 
I still see that they have some tremendous defensive players in Liggins. They have McCray, a young man, is about six seven. That's the score. They have some added pieces, but they have to learn how to play together again. And during an eighty two game season, there's no need to panic. I mean, these guys, as soon as they get that chemistry, although I do see that uh, Golden State has gotten their chemistry together very early, uh, but those pieces still have to be brought into there because it's just a half a season. Right. And as I look at what's happening with the uh, these schedules and what's happening in the NBA, especially with when you talk about the divisions that they have, uh, Cleveland's still up on top. I don't think they have too much to worry about with only 13 losses. The next team is uh, Indiana with 22 losses. Uh, in Atlantic, Toronto has uh, 16 losses. Uh, they're having some problems. They lost the last few games without DeRozan. Uh, Boston Celtics, uh, they lost to Washington Wizards the other night. And w- w- the Washington, I'm really uh, happy about how they're doing because they're getting to start to get their game together, 24 and 20. Atlanta's 26 and 19. So the teams in that Eastern Conference that I think are going to have some competitive playoffs this year, uh, better than last year, because a couple teams were swept. Uh, I like competition, and I like to see when they compete, not to have games that are blowouts. So that's so important to me. But they're they're shaping up. Again, the San Antonio Spurs are quiet, and I think Popovich likes it. They don't realize that Golden State, is thirty-eight and seven, and uh, San Antonio is thirty-five and nine. So right. they're right there. They're right there, Houston's right thirty-four and fourteen, right, right behind them. The Clippers. I'm concerned about them. They're thirty and sixteen, the second place in the Pacific. But uh, when you lose a guy like Chris Paul, um, uh, Blake Griffin came back, and here my team. Well, I say my team. My former team, the Seventy Sixers, beat them without the process, without Embiid. So. There's struggles that you have to 82-game season. As I always said before, it's too long a season, and that causes for a lot of uh, uh, games that are not competitive because it is too long, the back-to-backs. And just like they said last night, the Gold State Warriors have, haven't lost in 131 games back-to-back. Uh, they lost to the Heat, and they go to Charlotte, and they pull it out. Right. A tremendous game last and I did watch that. In reference to... Uh, the the leaders, again, I wanted to talk about shooting percentages because you understand the importance of guys that are able to make the baskets without taking a volume shooting. And there are guys that are shooting percentage that don't get a lot of shots that are shooting 69%. That's DeAndre Jordan from the Clippers, another big man. They're close to the basketball players. So a lot of guys that you see on this list in field goal percentage are centers or power forwards. Jordan Gobert from Utah, Howard from Atlanta, Jokic from Denver, Adams from OKC, Gortat from Washington, Cantor from OKC, Whiteside, which I, I hope he gets an opportunity to make. But they are the top percentage shooters. They're 69, 66, 65, 59, 59% Gortat. At 58, and Cantor, one that I think would be the sixth man of the year coming off the bench at 56, uh, white side at 55. Now, here's where you get to, again, a forward. Durant is shooting the best percentage of his career, 54%. And that's some great shooting for a guy that shoots that long distance shot. So I wanted our listeners to understand the importance of shooting percentage. We have the people that score. And, of course, I'm a guy that likes to 
talk about the players that I play with because without those big men, without those rebounds, uh, you don't get the game going. I had a chance to play with Walt Bellamy, Will Chamberlain, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, Moses Malone, bless his soul, and Dal Dawkins, Bob Lanier. So I played with some of the greatest centers. And when you look at the rebound, leaders CB, there's Whiteside at 14, Jordan with 14, Drummond with 13, Howard, 12, Gobey, 12, Chandler, 12, Davis from New Orleans, 12. And I like this rookie, uh, the big cat, uh, Towns, um, Paul Anthony Towns, average 11, Gortat 11, and Love again. And that's why I think it's important because Cleveland has Love, and he's averaging 10 rebounds a game and also scoring. I average about 20 points. So that's why I didn't like to trade because he does more than just shoot and score. Carmelo is a scorer, and that's what he's been paid for over the years. And uh, I don't think he would really help Cleveland to be a better team with him on it. But uh, that's just winding down to some of the things about the NBA. I'm going to go to the uh, college basketball because, again, I'm so proud of Bill Novus. Got back up the first place, 19 and 2. They did lose to Butler and Marquette. 19 and 2, Kansas lost to West Virginia. I saw that game. They put that press on. I'm going to make mention of Bob Huggins. He reached his 800th victory. A guy that I watched over the years. He's actually coaching at his uh, at his old school, West Virginia. And they're really doing very well. I like the way they press. They're like 16 and four. They're in 18 place. But wanted to mention that because they had a chance to beat a good team in the Big 12, Kansas. Gonzaga, I don't know if they'll keep this up. They have a weak conference, the Western Conference. They're 20 and 0. The only undefeated team, Gonzaga. Kentucky, 17 and 3. Baylor, 19 and 1. Florida State, uh, Leonard Hamilton, I know very well. Uh, they just lost to Georgia Tech, but they are in sixth place at 18-3. and three. I just wanted to talk a little bit about that. I won't go all the way down the line because uh, I wanted to talk about something that we haven't talked about in a while, and that's the NCAA girls, the young ladies, uh, because these young ladies are playing some basketball, CB, yeah. And UConn, I think they've had 90-some straight games. They're 18-0, and 0. Baylor 19-1, Maryland 19-1. Mississippi State, they were 20-0, and 0, but uh, South Carolina, who's in fifth place, 16-1, and 1, actually beat them the other night. And I know Don Staley very well, the coach of the uh, South Carolina uh, women's team. She is uh, also from Philadelphia, a great all-star and All-American from the University of Virginia. I wanted to mention that because we don't talk a lot about the young ladies in the top 25. Uh, Florida State uh, men's team is also doing well, and also the women's in 19-2 in sixth place. Washington, Notre Dame, Louisville, Stanford, Oregon, Texas, UCLA, Duke, Ohio State, Arizona State, Miami, North Carolina State, Virginia Tech, Oklahoma wind out the top 20. Just wanted to touch base to let you know that this college game of women's basketball has some of the most skilled players, and it's below the rim, but it's great basketball. They yeah. move the ball, very sound basketball. What do you think of that, CB? I know you follow some of that. Yeah, it's, it is really good sound basketball. You know, of course, for me growing up in um, Nashville, 
you know, with the um, Vols, I grew up around the time where Pat Summit, uh, bless her soul, when she was commanding the Tennessee Vols and they was, you know, on their little tear, but it was nothing like how UConn is doing right now. But the question I got to yeah. ask for you, Wally, is is really more of an opinion. What's your opinion on the thoughts that by UConn being so good that it's actually making or is bad for NCAA women's basketball because they're just so good? Uh, I, my opinion is it makes makes it even better. It was just like when the Celtics won eight in a row. They had a dynasty, so every team was shooting and beating. We finally broke that streak in 67. Uh, you think about UCLA and uh, uh, Walt Hazard, my teammate in high school, and my best friend, God bless his holy pass also. But when they were winning those teams, uh, he started that dynasty of the John Wooden era. They were 30-0, and 0, and they had a tremendous team that played. So when you have those ball players like um, – Lou Allison at the time when he was in college or Bill Walton, those streaks that they had made it very interesting because when uh, Notre Dame or Houston broke, actually broke their streaks, they were the biggest games in the basketball history. When you have a team, a dynasty, and to really have the college game being up front in the news, to have those dynasties are very important. They have some teams out there that are very competitive, Baylor, Maryland, Mississippi State, South Carolina. They have teams that can really compete with them. But uh, over recent years, when you talk about 90-some games in a row, that is tremendous. That is some of the most outstanding record that you can have. And they have a team that's just as good as last year's team that won the national championship. So it really makes it interesting for me because I like to see somebody uh, upset them. I really would like to see that just to have the competition uh, of uh, women's basketball. I think it'd be exciting. Yeah. And that makes the game exciting for me. Yeah. And then of course, if it's a, when, 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 say if it's a Cinderella coming out of the tournament and they playing them in a, in a national championship game and he was to win it, that makes for a great story. And about 10 to 15 years from now, a really great movie. Cause you know, a movie would be made about that. <laughs> that's right, man. You know, that's you, the, know, um, you know, that's the unfortunate thing about having a win streak this long is that whoever is the team that beats you gets more notary than the than the team that had the winning streak. That's right, because that's something that should be really newsworthy when you have somebody to defeat a team of that caliber. They just have some great basketball, and their their coach uh, again, he's from Philadelphia, a young man that I. I, I, I watch and observe because uh, I have you have wishes for young girls that can look up to big girls in the WNBA, but these girls, you can look up to girls in the NCAA as role models. Some of these girls that are out playing in high school, I just went to a, a community college game last night, and my, my best friend, Susan Summons, uh, she has about 500 wins herself. And to see some of these girls' aspirations to go to even D1 school from the community college, uh, these girls have dreams too. And I think it's important. I have a granddaughter that plays in the school in Philadelphia, Bishop McDevitt, and her dream is to play at UConn. And their dreams like that, for young ladies that are aspiring, I told her, well, you know, you got to be one of the best in the country to be recruited. But right. here's what I tell all the time. As long as you get opportunity to go to college, 
just remember that an opportunity to play in college and save your parents some money. That's very important. <laughs> yes. Saving parents. Now that, now that I'm a father, uh, yes. Saving parents money is, is a very good thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right, so Wally. So, but... um, to, to wrap everything up here, what we got, what you got going on, um, in the next couple of weeks personally and what's your, okay, well, um, what's your well, shoot for stars thing? One, one of the things I'm thinking about in the next couple of weeks and I, and this is all about a, a sponsorship, but unfortunately we lost Earl Foreman uh, and this is a memorial broadcast to him and I hope we'll be able to pull it off or we'll be able to unveil our documentary at the NBA All-Star Game in New Orleans on uh, February the 17th, but a tribute to him, what he meant to not only the, the NBA, he was my first owner with A. Poland with the Baltimore Bullets in Baltimore, and uh, later he became the sole owner of the Virginia Squires, which the documentary is about, the dream make about him and bringing greats like Dr. J and George Gervin and great players like that to the ABA, but he was very uh, significant in the Major League Soccer and uh, people are not aware of all the things he's done. He was also a part owner of the Philadelphia Eagles. And I, I believe Philadelphia, so I still support the Eagles, even though I'm not there. But I'm a hometown guy, and what he brought to the Eagles also. So uh, I wanted to do a tribute and a my condolences to the family of Earl Foreman, one of the greats, the dream maker. That's who he was, yes. the dream maker. Well, you heard it here, people. Thank you so much for uh, listening to Sports Inside and Out, Legends of Sports. And I want you to understand this one thing. When legends speak. Everybody listens, CB. Everybody. Everybody All listens. Right. All right. Y'all take care. <laughs>